Hi, welcome back to Cold Storage. I'm Callie. And I'm your co-host, Spencer. Today we got uh, something special for you guys. We're gonna... We're gonna... <laughs> we're, what are we gonna do? We're gonna introduce yeah. someone very special to you. Some of you have known your... Not your whole life, but he's known you his whole life. Yeah. It's my son, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, not son. Not not son. My my last son of Krypton, Mark. Yes, the last son of your mother, Krypton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys, um, sorry about that. Um, Did you? We, normally, it's me and Callie that do this podcast, but uh, we got fellow um, Tales from the Parents Basement alumni, Mark Douglas, up in this piece. What's up, everybody? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to the, the, the royal everyone. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, dude, have you been watching like uh, the Prince William stuff and things? It's all I watch. Did you see that thing where Queen Elizabeth said, Stand up, William. And she hit him and made him stand up. No, that... I did see the thing where she was excited about the horses or the cows or something. I can't remember which animal it was, but she was really excited about them. Dude, my daughter gets way excited about horse cows too. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Was that before or after the Nazi uniform? I was after before. Um, I don't know about that. Tell me about oh, it. I guess you got, went to a Halloween party dressed as a Nazi officer. Oh yeah, that's right. I do remember seeing like a picture on TMZ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Um, we're not Nazis here though. We love everybody. Well, actually me and Mark love everybody. <laughs> yes. So, Kelly, he's turning more Nazi by the day. Whatever, dude. I, I hate them Nazis. <laughs> no, no, bro. They're, no, they're yeah. lame. Yeah, they're the worst, aren't they? They are, right? Right. So, so what have you been reading? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I have been reading, um, other than what we're um, reviewing tonight, um, I've been reading various this and that. Um, I just picked up, I actually haven't read this yet, but I just picked up uh, the new Dick Tracy comic book. Um, it's being published by is it IDW, I think. Yes. Um, written um, by Mike Allred and inked by Mike Allred. It's written by Mike and Lee Allred. Lee, is that his right, son? Right, his son, yeah. And uh, colored by Laura Allred. And uh, I actually can't remember who is the artist of this thing. Um, I'm sorry. You guys just Google it. We okay. can't do all oh, your Googling. Okay, well, go- yeah. Oh, you um, don't want me to Google it. No, you want them I want to Google listeners. it. Yeah, I want the Royal We to Google it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, no, the, that seems really cool. Um, but I definitely need to read that. Um, but uh, other than that, I've been kind of busy. I haven't had a ton of time to read stuff. I've been reading some real books. Good. Yeah. Me too. Oh, yeah? What real books have you been the reading? The History of Marvel Comics, The Untold Story. Sean Howe. Yeah. Shout out. That's actually a really good book. Come be on our podcast. I mean, we don't want to interview you, but you can be on it. And come talk. talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that that dude will do a DC one, dude. I know. It'd be awesome if you would. Um, Because that Marvel one is so good. I would love a deep dive in DC, except for, I guarantee there would be way less drama if it was DC. And it would just be like, um, um, on this day, they came to work and they... They he produced the comic. They drew, and then they inked. They, drew, and they worked went back a, home. Worked a solid eight hours and <laughs> yeah. had lunch, headed home. Yep. And then Jim Stranko slapped Bob Kane. 
In the penis. In the penis. Yeah. I don't think that was ever documented. Um, no, but he did. Didn't he cold clock Bob Kane? Yeah, he did. Yeah. At a convention. I guess they're in an the elevator and Bob Kane said, hey, Pally, or, or something like that. Like, call him Pally, or some kind of like, it was derogatory to Jim. And Jim was like, don't call me that again. And so Bob Kane thought it'd be funny to call him again. And then he just like straight up like bitch slapped him like super really? hard. Yeah. Dang, man. Comics, man. I know. Get people riled up. They, mess them, they don't mess around. Throw on water balloons at original artwork and stuff. Yeah, that's true. So my real book I've been reading is uh, the book uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah? Yeah, did you guys know There's that a was book? a book first? It was a book before. Yeah, dude. Huh. The movie was an adaptation. Really? Yeah. Crazy. And I just found that out. And so I When was the book written? Um I don't know. Before the movie. <laughs> well, I know, but it was it like recent or was it like an older story that they <clears throat> I mean the movie came out twenty five years ago, so it definitely wouldn't be recent. No, recent to the movie. Oh, uh, I don't know. I get I don't know, man. You put me on the spot and I'm gonna be wrong, but I got the impression that it was within like a decade of when the movie was made. Does the cover of the book say now a major motion picture? Mm-mm, it was before that, dude. Okay. So like, yeah, and there's differences too. It's um, yeah, like right off the bat, dude. Like out in the first few pages, um, Roger Rabbit's like uh, drinking this stuff to get him drunk, and then he does drink at one point, right? In the movie, uh-huh. he goes they go into a bar and stuff. Um, but yeah, it goes into more detail of like the stuff that the tunes drink. Would just like straight knock out a real person, dude. Huh. It's like way too strong. Um, but yeah, it's cool. So when I found out about that, I was like, oh, I gotta read it. But I'm not too far into it. But it seems pretty cool. It's sweet. Um, yeah, Mark, what you been reading lately, or it, anything comics related? Well, things for you, I'll tell you. Um, it's no surprise. But the only real comics that I've read somewhat recently uh, <clears throat> is all the new X Men color books, team books, gold, red, blue. Uh, all of those different versions. What's the, I haven't, I'm totally like away from those. I know one of those was meant to be like a nineties X-Men. Yeah. They're basically just different teams and different. It's basically what X-Men has always done, which is just create different teams of X-Men so that they can have multiple X-Men titles out there. Um, so yeah, there is a team that's like kind of like an older, you know, original X-Men kind of team. And then there's, you know, ones with other guys and Nightcrawler or, that might be the one that's not in there. Uh, but, uh, anyway, they're okay. Dude, what if... Why hasn't Alex Ross done any X-Men stuff? That's actually surprising. Actually... I, mean, I know he's done a lot of art for... Yeah, he's done Marvel stuff, but, but... He hasn't worked on like X-Men stuff as far as I know. No, right? just, in, just in that story Marvels with Kurt Busiek... He did like there's oh, a there is an X Men section. He did X Men, no, and he did the X Men right. in that part. And it's it been was, so long since I read it. So is there one of the Marvel's issues dedicated to X Men? I want to say certainly it is. is a section of at least one of the issues has is about X Men. Mm. Yeah, it's like a half of a full issue or either a full issue of X. Yeah. Any of you guys speaking of X Men? Any of you guys watch the Dark Phoenix trailer? Nope. It just came out. Yeah, I, I have. I've only seen the teaser with no sound, and so I haven't. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Hard to it tell, yet. but my hopes aren't too up, dude. No, mine are way. Who's down. directing it? Uh, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, no, because as as I, I know. I just didn't know if Bill Cosby was cast in this, <laughs> or who, or if who? Jared <laughs> was who? cast in it from Subway. As who? I don't know, but there isn't one of their homies that we met in like, usually the director of the X Men movies. Is Brian Singer friends with Bill Cosby? And 
Well, I don't. Birds of a feather, man. Yeah, no, Brian Singer, but he, no, he's a. Well, so he's into some trouble as well as Bill Cosby, but I think their genders um, Jared, are different. Jared from Subway. Yeah, um, that was a little bit of a stretch to bring those guys in. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay, man. Making it relevant, yeah. trying to make it relevant. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. It happens to everybody. The um, I do want to bring up the one other thing that I am reading is um, EC Archives Volume Four. Why Volume Four, dude? Because it has a very iconic cover with that hand holding um, that uh, ring on the subway. Which one holds the cover of the or the, the hand holding the head that's been chopped off? That Why is. Why did you get that one? Because it's not printed yet in a, in an archive of edition. Oh, what? It's it like issue that? thirty-two. Or, it's like crime suspense stories issue thirty-two or something. Mm-hmm. So it's and crime suspense for crime suspense stories uh, is still volume four of that isn't even out yet. Hmm. So it's it'll probably be a while before it comes out. Dude, but. so check this out. Do you know who Anderson Cooper is? The yes. news guy. Uh, yeah. So I do know, yeah, he white, like hair hair? white hair. Yeah, yeah. white hair. Yeah. Dude, so he recently got uh, uh, like a photo shoot done in his house um, for, I don't know, some magazine. But in the background, uh, he had a bookcase and all the EC archives were on there. Everyone's really? Yeah. yeah, so he's, he's, he's down. He's a diehard EC awesome. guy? Yeah. And he hasn't been fired for raping somebody yet. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so that's good. Um, so Callie is going to be teaching a class on, in a high school pretty soon. Yes, I will. Wait, I haven't yeah. heard about this. What? Yeah, so um, my wife's a teacher. Right, of course. And some co-workers knew that I was into comics. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted, to, they're having this special like two-week class that counts for a full credit of a semester. And it's about uh, mythology and Marvel. And they want me to talk about the history of Marvel comics. Oh, wait, it, it's about Marvel? Yeah. I know, right? I know. That's what I said. Yeah. And it's three mm. three hours worth. You're gonna do a three hour class on presentation Marvel? on Marvel, yeah. And this is Callie. And if you've listened to Justin in the France <laughs> basement, are you uh, just gonna go three hours about why you think Marvel is terrible? So here's here's the here's where I I I can't just like blatantly say Marvel is terrible because I actually really enjoy. Although you have many times, in the <laughs> I think we have like okay, lots right. of records of you saying that, <laughs> right? But as I've matured, I've understood that. There's a difference between modern Marvel, well, mar- modern considering like five years ago, modern, modern, to like old school Marvel, and I, I thoroughly enjoy old, older Marvel, like pre nineties well, type stuff. Your, some well, yeah, what's your cutoff? Is it nineties? What's your well, cutoff between old and new? I would say anything like up to the mid eighties, probably, and before it's pretty good. There's some good stuff after that, like There's Executioner really Song good is good. Stuff in the '90s, man. Executioner Song, Jim Lee's X Men. That stuff's great. Probably right before like all the uh, like we talked about the other day, all the Image guys. Todd leaving. McFarlane's Spider Man. Yeah, that was good. good yeah. Stuff. So, um, what do you she think about Hulk, the Vision? Sensational She Hulk. I haven't read it. You haven't read the Vision? Sensational She Hulk. I have heard is really good, but you yeah, I haven't read the... Vision. No. I'm not dude, like you're the one. I, I'm not always. You're always on Tom King's poll, dude. Constantly, dude. Not all the time. No, just depending on what it is, man. Yeah, interesting, dude. Yeah, I haven't read uh, Sheriff of, of Babylon either, dude. So get off his poll, dude. You right. read like Mister Miracle, down. and that's it. Down. No, I've also read uh, what's that other one? No, I can't remember. It's uh, not Atari Force. It's something like Atari Force. Nintendo Force. No. <laughs> 
Commodore oh. 64 Force. Oh my gosh. No, it's like Infinity People. Oh, I haven't read that. Okay. Well, he did that too. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So, um, so so what you're saying is you don't broadly hate Marvel anymore. You've matured a little bit, but most of the modern stuff is crap. Yeah, even including DC's modern stuff. I am, I'm like so done with so much modern. Like, um, in fact, today I went to the comic shop just to kind of see what came out yesterday. Because I did hear about that Dick Tracy book, and I'm like, oh, I want to find that. But they didn't have it. And uh, and then um, I was looking around, and they had like 60 copies of Tom King's newest um, like uh, book about like the superheroes that go to like a like a counseling center. <laughs> and then something happens at this counseling center. Don't nobody want to read that Exactly. Crowd, exactly. Harley Quinn is like one of like the main characters. She's like one of the first three three on the cover, like main images. And I'm like, no, this is stupid. I'm not going to get on this. Like, I'm just so done with modern comics. Anyway, so they want to talk about the history of Marvel. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. So I've been doing a lot of like research and studying just about like older, older sure. creators. And I just, I, I'm just like so amazed by like all the stuff that that's happened um you know like the relationships they had and um as well as like the content they were pumping out i mean because they were they had to like really i mean talk about jack kirby is this one of those classes though that like really just people want to talk about the movies and you're going to be like deep diving into old like marvel comic artists and stuff i think what you nailed it on the head right there (laughs) actually yeah because the reason they they call this um um what mythology and marvel yeah and, like, I mean, it's supposed to be about comics, right? Like, yeah. And it's just, like, a lot of people nowadays uh, think that Marvel and comics is synonymous, right? And right. So, like, and, and I could totally tell that because, like, I'll be talking to people that, you know, like the movies but never read a comic book. And they're just like, oh, yeah, what's your what's your favorite Marvel character? When they really mean what's your favorite superhero. Like, right. But, you know, they just call it Marvel. And so... Yeah, so unfortunately it's like that, but Callie is going to be the hero that goes in and tells them, you know, what's up. You're going to educate these kids? Yep, exactly. I'm not even going to bring up the movies whatsoever. Like, the movies are not even going to be on my my anything. I'm going to totally avoid the movies. You know, if they try to bring up Agent Coulson, I'm just going to be like, F you out of my class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do you have the authority to do that? Dude, um, no, you just make him go to the uh, the board and write over and over again, Agent Coulson is not a real Marvel character. Yeah, Agent that Coulson. would be good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I'm going to like, I'm just going to talk about, like you said, like I'm going to talk about creators. I'm going to talk about original comic books. Um, you know, like just some innovative creators. And uh, different storylines that were important at the time. And like the beginning of Fantastic Four. And kind of also bring up the fact that like... and um, How you know like the golden age of DC is... You know, um, it's really the golden age of all comics. But... All superhero comics. All superhero comics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then uh, the silver age of, of DC comics is kind of like the golden age of Marvel. So these these people that are listening weren't with us on this previous conversation we had. Right, with us. we understand. Uh, Kelly's not saying that there wasn't Golden Age superheroes uh, in Marvel, but in his mind, um, when you think of Golden Age superheroes, you think of the DC superheroes. When you think of Silver Age superheroes, you think of like the Marvel ones because Marvel did make superhero comics in the Golden Age, but where they really started to boom was in the Silver Age. 
Right? Correct. Yes. Thank and you that's for when the Fantastic Four and Spider Man and all those guys came around. So, right. Uh, yeah. So that that that's um. I think you got you're onto something there. Um. But even though Marvel definitely did um, make some Golden Age superheroes for sure. So yeah. Um. If you guys are in the area, um, go to Kelly's class and. They'll probably kick you out because they don't let people, strangers, just walk around high schools. Um, but if you can just pass as a, as a student, maybe you should try it. Definitely. Just like anything. If you're a student, try it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys. Um, for those of you joining us um, for our second episode that have heard our first episode, you know what we do is we go through and we pick out... Um, a story or a storyline that was important in comics in general throughout all the history of comics. Uh, the story that we're going to pick out today, many of you, if you're comics fans, have probably read. In fact, if you haven't read this, reconsider the thought that you're a comics fan. Um, <laughs> this book was published in 1996 um, under DC Comics Publications Incorporated, Warner Brothers Incorporated. Um, and, Too incorporated. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the book is um, was written by one Mark W. Wade and uh, drawn by uh, Alex W. Ross, and it is uh, called Kingdom Come. And <clears throat> I, I shouldn't say that it was drawn by Alex Ross because the dude painted every single panel in this thing. So if you don't know Alex Ross, again, why are you listening? Um, but Alex, this this comic was all um, typically the way a comic book is made is somebody pencils it, hands it off to somebody else who traces it, and, <laughs> and then they hand it off to somebody else who colors it, and then they publish it. But this um, was completely all painted, and it's beautiful, and it makes it seem like real life. All the heroes seem viable. Like they could legit exist in real life, and I think that's one of the things that makes this book really cool. So in 1994, um, Alex Ross um, made his big breakthrough um, with Marvels. It was a comic published at Marvel, basically um, showing the history of Marvel superheroes. Um, and then after that, after that success, he hooked up with Mark Wade to do this book that we're going to review today, Kingdom. Come, which is actually an Elseworlds title. Um, so the Elseworlds books were not considered canon. Um, many of the things from the Elseworlds books have been brought into canon. Um, but this is tells a story of, you know, basically uh, the future after um, the, the DC superheroes that you know and love have kind of retired and a new um, batch of superhumans is running rampant throughout the world. Right. They basically become vigilantes, killing, um, just kind of like doing whatever they feel like because they can get away with it. Um, and uh, so basically the uh, older heroes come out of retirement and start recruiting people for teams. Yeah, so um, I don't know where we want to start. Let's see. Let me see your book here. Okay. So... Um, First of all, um, this was like revolutionary, dude. If you think about 90s comic books, um, the storylines, especially early 90s comic books, the storylines were not um, 
it was really art focused, right? And this is this is definitely art focused as well, but it was a completely different kind of art. Like, this came out, this came out four years after Young Blood number one came out. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. The difference between Young Blood art, which is just like <laughs> over the top, in your face, just like just lines everywhere, to this is just like the difference is mind boggling, right? Totally, like. Photorealism is that the right term? Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. And and um, to my knowledge, uh, really, Alex Ross was the first and one of the only people to have ever done this. There's been a couple others that have done similar things. Uh, if I were to describe Alex Ross's art, I would say it's it's uh, somewhat um, uh, Norman Rockwellish. Um, where it's just like, uh, you know, realistic, but still kind of fun and kind of cartoony. But but this is more realistic than Norman Rockwell stuff. Um, anyway, uh, but it's just beautiful. Like, you could not read this book and flip through every page and still get tons from it, you know? Right. It's uh, definitely um, a very... It's definitely a beauty. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, the the storytelling artwork um you can get what's going on through the story but also um it's like you're looking at photos of real superheroes i mean like as if like spencer said as if they actually existed you know like it's uh in some panels it's even hard to tell if it's a photograph that's been like painted over like there's this uh image one of the panels of him with a hand holding the holy bible and it's i mean it looks so realist the hand looks so real um that it's uh, it's just incredible the way the costumes fit. So, so this starts out um, basically. This story follows um, a preacher, right? Like, and mm-hmm. he's he's the one that guides you. Him and um, the specter guide you through this entire story, right? Um, and he's a preacher, and he you know uh, he's reading from the book of Revelations uh, at the beginning and talking about you know the end of the world, basically. And then um, eventually the specter visits him and then takes him through what really is going to be, could possibly be the end of the world. Right. It's uh, it's almost like Ghost of Future. Yeah. Uh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Future, yes. Yeah. Where uh, specter grabs this guy and they, they travel. Now, um, you see a lot of different uh, Easter eggs in this book. There's... Um, Especially like even in the very beginning of the book, uh, there's a place called Planet Krypton and it's a restaurant. Um, but it's like any comic fans like dream come true restaurant. Right. So it's like Planet Hollywood, right? right. Like uh, when Hollywood, when that existed, um, and it was just like Hollywood memorabilia, right? Mm-hmm. Well, these heroes aren't around anymore, so it's a nostalgia nostalgic restaurant for heroes past, basically, right? But one of the, one of my favorite things about Alex Ross's artwork is so in this restaurant you have, I guess we should, um, I guess we should kind of keep with the storyline. So this Norman guy he um, is just walking around basically, and he's seeing some destruction from the current generation of heroes, and then uh, he just walks up up on this uh, restaurant and then decides to go in inside. Um, all the waiters and waitresses are dressed like superheroes, right? Mm-hmm, right. But, dude, the thing that I noticed that blows my mind about Alex Ross, so he draws these uh, the regular superheroes in costumes 
like spandex basically, but they look, they look cool still. Right. But like when he shows like the waiters and waitresses, like it looks like cheap costumes that they're wearing. Right. Yeah. I don't know how he pulls that off, but the costumes that these guys are wearing don't look anything like the costumes that he paints on like the real Superman or the real Wonder Woman, you know, like look at that, that flash costume. Yeah, it looks cheesy. Where his mask is like what it would really be like if you were to yeah, buy a flash costume, a costume where you can right. barely see through it. And <laughs> it's, it's like, like ill-fitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but like when he draws the, the flash, you know, in real life, it it totally looks different. Which... They look more uh, like the real superheroes you draw look more mythic, like they're the way their bodies are shaped, how stuff fit. Like, they look like statues of, like, right. Greek gods. Right, yeah, definitely. Where these guys in these costumes, like, they look like they're wearing Halloween costumes. It is crazy that he was able to pull that off. Yeah. And then he also makes them stand differently. That Like, they're not heroically posed like, right. like you see the other ones, and I think that that, that helps out, too. Um, but, uh, so he goes through that, and that was basically... this this Him going through this restaurant... He's only in there for a second, and then he leaves. Um, but this was basically to set up something that's coming later in the story. Um, and then just to set up the whole scene of what life is like now, you know, with the uh, the old heroes um, retired, and then this current generation. And, and, dude, in the streets, there's just, like, constant bedlam going on with, like, these heroes and villains fighting against each other and just... Things crashing and... Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, there's like laser beams and explosions and fire, and there's a whole bus that gets turned over. And it's just like, and he's just walking like normal. Like, it's no big deal. He doesn't even look behind him at what's exploding. Well, I don't know as far as history wise, but if this, when this comic came out, I don't know if this idea of collateral damage for superheroes, if this was something that kind of pioneered, or Alex Ross and. Mark Wade kind of pioneered the idea of like you know what happens when they have these these giant fights and because you can see him trying to save kids from like rubble falling and uh, and so that idea I think was pretty new at this point. Yeah, um, they did have um, what's that comic book they had in the eighties that was called like Damage Control or something like that that was a group of people that would go clean oh, that up would after clean the up. superheroes. Right, right yeah. yeah. so, but, the, so I do think that, in fact, a lot of the things in this story kind of existed before. Um, like the dynamic between Superman and Batman, like that kind of stuff existed before. Right. But, um, this is a, like a gigantic love letter to DC Comics, right? Well, especially so. a love letter to the Silver Age. I mean, they because of the fact that, and, and the other thing I take I take out of this is because of the, if you think about like when this came out ninety six, right? Like, and and they're talking about older or newer heroes coming, and they, some of them are children of previous heroes. Some are just brand new characters, and um, you know, with no limits as far as like killing people and and uh, you know just unchecked power and then you think about like what was going on at the same time in comics like image right so like a lot of the characters in image were kind of the same way right like uh like spawn for instance he was considered a superhero but um it was a little bit more graphic more mature and i think this was kind of a take that they had on like here is what's happening now in comics let's let's respect what came before dude let me, let me tell you guys something about Kelly. Usually, like, 
90 percent of the stuff he says is completely like ridiculous you can throw it away <laughs> but like that 10 percent of the time there's just true <laughs> gems in there i never thought about that dude until just now that like um yeah at at the time that this was written well i mean this is maybe a little bit later but at the time okay at the time this was published it was too late but at the time where this was being written and made was probably during the full blast like image stuff right right so um so yeah what you said is like the reality of comics at that time is people weren't caring about spider-man people weren't caring about batman people weren't caring about all this other stuff those guys were gone and there was a whole bunch of these new heroes these creator-owned heroes that nobody knew knew about beforehand that were ultra violent that were over the top and that is what's being represented here. So, dude, Callie, you just opened my mind. Awesome. To this book, dude. That's that's really cool. I wonder. I, I don't know if that's true. If that's what their intention was, but that definitely is does play into kind of what was going on in comics at the time. Right, and and so um, that being represent, I, what I feel is represented here. You know, and there's even more elements to it. I mean, there's so many different elements um, in this book, but but that's one thing that I took out of it is that like they were they were showing like let's let's give respect to the forefathers and and show them really what they're about because you know a lot of times like people are like well superman's lame because he can do whatever he wants and he's not relevant because he's old school and blah 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 but the thing is is if he's done correctly he can be represented yeah. as a badass dude i hate that actually so many people that's their thing it's like there's like well, superman is the ultimate powerful hero he's not interesting i'm like dude those people haven't been reading superman they they right. don't know about superman because what makes superman interesting is because he's all powerful it's it's how he chooses what he's going to do what his role is going to be right in society you know like that's what makes these stories so cool and the fact that he was raised as a human like the, all that stuff plays into this, and this story it plays heavily into this story too that we'll we'll get into. But um, at this point in the story, and I guess we probably should have said this earlier, um, we're gonna probably spoil the hell out of this book. So <laughs> if you don't, if you haven't read it and you want to, you should probably go read it and then come back and listen to it. Um, so anyway, at this point in the story, um, Norman, what's his last name? Norman McKay. Bates. No. no Osborne. Dude, come on, Callie. Um, <laughs> He's actually based after Alex Ross's dad. Oh, is he? Yeah, so I, I would say Norman Ross, no, for sake that. of argument. No. <laughs> no, <it's not> <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Somebody, Norman McKay. Thank, Thank you. you. Gosh. <laughs> Callie, you weren't helping anything. Okay, although you were making it funny, so I appreciate that. So Norman McKay had just got done preaching a sermon on the end of the world, okay? And... Uh, and as he, he's done, his congregation has left. He's still hanging out in the chapel. Um, and then in through the stained glass comes the specter. The specter is badass, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, dude, uh, I remember when I was growing up uh, reading comics. Like, this, He's one of the reasons that drew me as more of a DC guy. Because I was just like, dude, this guy is awesome. He's just like this dead guy who goes through and kind of like you know helps control like what happens in the living and stuff and um so he is basically in this he's basically it this book kind of has the framework of a religious story um and he would be kind of like the angel that's you know prophesying what's going to happen and 
he's talking to uh, Norman McKay, the preacher right. and stuff, and he says, you know, he asks him if he's an angel, and he says, of a sort, higher power has charged me with the task of punishing those responsible for this coming evil, because he's previously told them that, like, basically Armageddon is coming, and he's supposed to come in and judge who needs to be punished. One thing I do want to point out, and this is what's so cool, is this book is so full of detail. The last panel on page 31, um, if you look at Spectre's eye, there's a skull for his pupil. I didn't notice that. that. I actually saw that later in the book, you see it, but I didn't notice it on this page. So what does that mean? Well, he's he's God's vengeance in in super form. I don't know. Like he basically like the only power above Spectre is like the creator, um, the hand in the universe. So you know when Spectre is God's wrath on Earth, I mean I could see why his his people would be a skull. Well, yeah, and especially he's the one that's talking about Armageddon coming. So maybe it's just showing how he can see it like he can see yeah armageddon mm-hmm. uh either way it just looks pretty darn cool it looks so awesome and his hand is placed in a way it makes it look like his finger is his wiener that was deliberate it probably was thank you alex ross see that um i think he's just covering his junk dude because he's <laughs> in a church talking to a preacher <laughs> with his cloak why does the specter need to be modest? He shouldn't even care about that. He shouldn't. No, but... it just doesn't, dude. Just doesn't want to show it to the the preacher, man. You don't want to show your dingle to a preacher. Which I think is weird. Um, that, um, like you said, like he's prophesying, um, or going to show Norman McKay, kind of like what the future will hold if they if superheroes keep going the path they're going, and um, being that he is the the basically the wrath of God incarnate that, um, you know, what else could you expect ex- except for destruction and right. death, you know? So that's a good point, Mark, the, the skull, um, in the eye, that, that's what it would represent. Um, so then we move on. Uh, he takes Norman by the hand, they walk away and they appear in a field in Kansas where, um, your long haired bearded Superman is working on a farm home. He's kind of sexy, right? He is sexy. Very sexy. I mean, he could pick up that tractor with one arm. It's crazy. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it it seems like he's back in um, Smallville or whatever, um, back at his family farm, right? That's that's the impression you get. Um, You do find out that that's not actually where he's at. Um, But, yeah, Wonder Woman comes and shows up. And uh, in this version of the DC Universe... um, Wonder Woman and Superman have a special affection for each other. Um, you can tell as you're reading this that that there's a connection between them two that neither one of them have with Bruce Wayne, the other part of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so anyway, they're talking, and then you realize that he's just in some. He's actually is that his like crystal castle that he's in? Yeah, so it's like an invisible force field that. It's like a holodeck. It's like a, yeah, it's like a hologram thing. Right, but then when it disappears, it, he's basically in Superman base, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and that was all that was all just um, a lie, dude. So then you're like, well, why does he have to pretend that he's in Smallville, right? And right. So the story goes on, and then you find out uh, eventually what happens. 
Maybe we better speed through this kind of quicker because yep. we're <laughs> we've got a little bit more story. to go. <laughs> so yeah, um, so a couple of cool things um, that I wanted to bring up, like especially, I kind of want to pick out three of my uh, most favorite parts of this book that I think are very interesting. So one thing, um, we can go through the whole book if you want, but um, so the Flash exists on every plane at one time, so he can travel past, future, present. And different dimensions all at once. He's so fast that he's never standing still ever. He's always continually moving. Um, which I thought was a really cool idea for the Flash. Yeah. Being a uh, future. He can fly. He's way more ultimate than than he was previously. Um, go ahead. Okay, so yeah. um, basically what you find out. This will... Um... So it does show, like, it, it lets you catch up with all the heroes. You get to see what Green Lantern's up to. You get to see what Batman's up to. Batman is ruling Gotham with these gigantic, like, robots. Um, and he's in the Batcave the whole time. So the Spectre is taking Norman around to see to show him, you know, this is, all, this is what's going on. Um, so the next, like, really important part of the storyline uh, is uh, that... Um, I don't know if it's the next part, but Magog comes in. Um, so basically, Magog had to step in, and because Superman disappeared, um, Magog. Where is that? Maybe I'm jumping. I think Magog's toward the end. No, he's not towards the end. No, he's in the second issue somewhere. Um, okay, there he is. Uh, yeah. So, oh, is that the first appearance of him? Anyway. Um, I'm trying to think what's going on. So basically before this happens, it's just, um, Superman, or, or sorry, Bruce Wayne ends up, uh, teaming up with Lex Luthor because, okay, so Superman basically has created this gigantic prison, um, where he's put all of these heroes, um, to try to work them out and basically try to get them to reform or whatever yeah, he's, and then he's, he's trying to create a justice league so superman basically comes in he comes out of retirement decides to be superman again and tries to form his justice league right and batman is opposing him so batman creates his own team kind of like the league of lose uh the league of no the outsiders right yeah mm-hmm. so batman and the outsiders so batman kind of goes to this like dive bar and well it's not really a dive but it's you know it, it's like like a nightclub thing, and he gets a bunch of like darker characters to help him, and then um, right, and so at the same time, Lex Luthor also wants to put Superman down, obviously, and he has got his own group of people working with him, and um, so at the surface, it looks like Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor want the same thing; they want Superman. Right now, Superman has thrown all these people in this gulag, is what they call it. And he um, thinks that that's going to work. But both Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne don't think that that's uh, the answer. And eventually they decide to team up with each other, right? Correct. Um, so now you've got these basically two teams. You've got Superman, uh, who's you know with uh, Wonder Woman um, and a bunch of others. They try to recruit Aquaman. Aquaman sends them on their way because... He's just like, dude, I've been working, I've been fighting your land wars forever. I don't need to have anything to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we should say, so Superman retired because he, um, what was the reason he retired? Um, It was something along the lines of him just basically realizing that um, 
Well, he focused on his faults rather than his victories, and which kind of threw him into despair. And so that's why he left because he was so focused on well, it on was, his uh, failure. Was that was with the Joker, right? So yeah, that comes a little bit later. So yeah, that's where um, Magog comes in because Magog was this other super powerful hero, and he was telling Superman, "Your ways of doing this are not working." Right, we need to take action against these villains, and we need to lay down the law. Um, and so Magog actually kills the Joker, where Superman would never do that. Right, right, and Batman would never do that either. Um, and so, yeah, so it does have something to do with that. So, oh, so that's what it was. It's actually the... Magog went to he got on trial and he got released. The yeah, pe- he got acquitted for killing the Joker. Right. Yeah, and that's you're right, Mark. That's what it was. Is because of that, Superman was just like, "Okay, this is stupid." The Joker he attacked uh, the Daily Planet and killed Lois Lane, right? If yeah, I if I'm I remembering so. correctly, because he talks about that he killed a bunch of people, and then Superman says, "And one woman." Yeah. 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 It looks like he's about to bash her head in, right there. Uh, and then, then that right shortly after that, Magog was kills like, the Joker. This, yeah. Yeah, and he got off because people were like, you know, how many times has Batman jailed the Joker and it hasn't worked out, right? Right, so, it's that same old thing where Batman refuses right. to, you know, kill, and then Magog's like, well, I'm going to take care of it for you then. Right, so, yeah, so basically Superman didn't want to, like, be a part of a world that, you know... Heroes kill. Yeah, exactly, that was right. okay with that. And so him and Magog had a fight. Um, it's important to say or to say that so Wonder Woman was what brought him out of retirement. Wonder Woman was you know just came to him and said you know we've got to take some action. Um, for a long time he was in retirement. Wonder Woman was also ostracized from her community. Well, Superman wasn't. He was a self ostracization. No, he's a self ostrich. Self ostrich. He turned himself into an ostrich. <laughs> and Wonder Woman, uh, she um, she got ostracized from her community because the um, they said that she her purpose was to go uh, among the humans and um, basically. Uh, convert them all or just win where the doesn't seem like the villains or it doesn't seem like the heroes totally won in this so she she was deemed a failure basically so she wasn't really allowed to go back to her people um and so that's why she um is not uh back at uh where's she from island there mascara yeah that place yeah we got some Kirby Crackle dude, and this Dark Side. Awesome, dude. Yeah. This is not yeah. Dark Side. I like that's that. That's what's cool about this. Dark Side's yeah. Sun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. dude. It's, it's uh, Orion. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what's so cool about this. So so yeah, uh, there's still some recruiting going on. Superman's trying to recruit recruit people for his cause. And this isn't like a major storyline, but it's something that's really cool. You see Apocalypse, uh, and then from behind you see like a kind of a silhouette, a little bit highlighted. And it looks like Darkseid. And you assume it's Darkseid because he's Apocalypse. And then, then the light shines on him. And it's Orion who's ruling Apocalypse at yes. this point. And, I, dude, I think that that's, that is the coolest idea. That, because Orion wasn't raised on Apocalypse, right? right. So 
he uh i think it's so cool that he ended up ruling apocalypse eventually just because he inherited it basically from his father which is and i think really superman cool. even tells me there he's like you're looking more and more like dark side every day yeah. which is just cool it's a it's a yeah it's cool like you said i don't think it's like crucial to the storyline but it's just it's just cool. it's a cool throw in yeah 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 even his head's getting wrinkled and like stone looking it's similar in the vein of like when he goes to see aquaman it's like they're not part of the bigger storyline. It's right. just part of his recruiting. But it's a cool way to bring in these other yeah. characters and just kind of give an update of like, look what's happening to these characters in this world, which is cool. Um, and you can see Orion kind of has turned into another dark side, at least in in how he looks. Yeah, and, yeah, it's so cool. Um, and then uh, there's like a um, big Barda uh, Mr. Miracle hybrid in here right is yep. she the daughter yeah she's the daughter yeah. of them yeah um yeah so but yeah um again orion turned superman down too uh, a lot of these people at this point are just like basically they're like we lost you just know, give it up yeah exactly like what's the point let, let me manage my own thing and yep. then from there we'll uh you know we'll, which we'll makes sense and thing. it's cool because i always wonder about that like why are these people from other planets giving any yeah. kind of crap about what's going on on earth like why would yeah. they care and they i think they actually illustrate in this where like orion doesn't care like right. he doesn't yeah, he's all the got things on his mind they've yeah all got, aquaman doesn't care right like they're like why didn't you know basically even saying to him like well why do you care like right. you're not from there right yep um and so it does show we didn't really say this before but um you can see that um uh, Captain Marvel is working with Lex Luthor, um, but he's not in his Captain Marvel costume, right? right? He's just like wearing a suit. But so that's one of my favorite reveals is that Billy Batson has now grown up, and so I mean that's he grows that's like a hundred pages from where we're at. But, <laughs> oh, is uh, it? Yeah, they don't reveal that to like the yeah. Movie. It's literally in the last issue. But you see him. They, they show do, him. but what you think is he's Captain Marvel oh. in a suit. The reveal at the end. So everybody's scared because. Because he's Billy Bath, or because he's Captain Marvel, yeah. and he they don't want to mess with him, right? But really, he's just a grown up Billy Bath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but you don't find that out till the very end. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, like that's the whole part. That's the whole suspense of the story is that you're like, this is uh, this is Captain Marvel, and he's working with Lex yeah. Luthor. You're like, right? oh, because he was bad. adopted yeah. by Lex Luthor and raised to hate Superman. Right, but 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 again, the superheroes just see that Captain Marvel is working with Lex Luthor, right? And so there, you know, that's that's a big part of this. That's just like, holy cow, this is there's some there's something to this. And then eventually they find out that that's not the case. That he's not Captain Marvel. Lex Luthor's been keeping him at bay, yeah. So he can't turn into Captain Marvel. He's just Billy Batson, uh, but he's a grown up Billy Batson, so he looks like, like Captain, Captain so he Marvel. Looks, right. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I th- yeah I think that that's really cool too. Um, but you just blew our entire story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, that was the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, then you see some more um, you know banter between uh, Clark and um, Diana. Um, you can see that there's like some sort of past or some sort of relationship there. Um, Bruce Wayne is working with um, Lex Luthor, um, building all these bat bots that are going to take over, you know, and and get everything back in order again. And in meanwhile, Superman is building his whole other Justice League. Um, oh, uh, something! What happened to Magog, dude? He like he bowed down to Superman and like left. Yeah, yeah, after they got in a fight, he basically asked Superman to kill him. 
Yeah. And Superman's like, I'm not going to kill you. Right. So okay. he just, I think he just took off. He just gave up. Like, yeah. he, he was, he and was the, done. Do the dead man portrayal on this is awesome. Oh, yeah. the dead man is so cool. Just bones. And, yeah, you know, he looks just costume. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is interesting, actually. And the way the costume, like, he did such a good job, but the way the costume hangs on Dead Man, mm-hmm. you can see that there's no meat in there. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. Like, just it's bones. crazy. Yeah. Like, if you took a skeleton at, like, a, you know, a science class in college and just put a costume on it, it's just awesome. And I, I do want to say that his, uh, since we were just talking about it, his, how he draws uh, Billy Batson is just awesome. It's amazing. It's yeah. so like vintage and classic and the yeah. smile to the smile and everything. And when they have him in the first of the book, he's just like grinning like an idiot. And, uh, yeah. but he looks so Well, he is cool. most of the book actually. Yeah. Um, he's just grinning. And I guess that, you know, part of that is, this, so he, is the story. Here's line. something I don't know if you guys know. So the real Shazam character was based off of Fred McMurray. McMurtry, do you know who that actor is? No, I don't know. Um, he was in My Three Sons, uh, Shaggy Dog, um, oh, okay. Double Indemnity. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So the real, the real, when they made Shazam, they wanted to make it after him, okay. and you can actually see it in Alex Ross's yeah. um, paintings that it does look like Fred McMurray. That's awesome. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Um, but what's so cool is Shazam is such a cartoony uh, face. Captain Marvel's face is really cartoony. He's he's always squinting. And he's got yeah. like these big eyebrows and a big smile, but he was able to bring Alex Ross was able to bring that into something that actually looks like a real looks like person. a real person. Yeah. Like, right? He just is like a chiseled dude, but like the wrinkles on his forehead and and like even in his eyebrows, like so he takes this cartoony character and then adds like some wrinkles, adds some definition, and all of a sudden it looks like a oh, totally it looks like a real dude. And, yeah. But he's. I just wanted to say that he's by far one of my favorite portrayals uh, oh, in for this sure. book. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also just kind of the contrast because you know him and Superman are kind of comparable as far as right. characters. Oh, definitely. But the differences are, you know, uh, on purpose between how Alex Ross portrays both of these. Like uh, Captain Marvel looks like chiseled and looks like that cartoony, right? Old, but he's got you know perfectly black hair. But of course, the Superman in this is aged, and so. They have that. You can see how Superman is aged because he's used to look like that. Correct. But he's aged, so, and now so he has some older. extra wrinkles and right. some gray hair. And I just like the comparison between those two. Definitely. Um, no, that's a good point, Mark. That you can definitely tell a difference between the two of them, even though, like they're you know definitely comparable on on PowerPoint. You know, as far as powers right. go, or even Excel or Word, even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is this amazing, man? <laughs> Um, no, that's not Amazing Man. Um, that, oh, no, no, that's, uh, oh, dude, it was an old lady that, uh, that was in this. Costume. Yes, what's her name, though? I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, the Acropolis one? N- no, uh, oh, it was, uh, it was, um, gosh. It was the original of a character that went on to become some robot. Like Red, Red Tornado. Yeah, Red Tornado. Yes. That's who it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you guys don't know, the Red Tornado was originally some old lady in a robot costume. That's awesome. And she's actually standing next to the Red Tornado. Yeah, the other Red is, yeah. Tornado. Oh, that's and awesome, that's, dude. And that's the um, J- Just Society. Um, Blue what's Tornado. Her name? She's a Red Tornado character, too. Oh, is she? I can't remember her name, though. Yeah. But they're all Red Tornado characters. And these uh, bullet ones? Uh, what are those guys? They're from the, the Marvel family. See, like, that's... Uh, so there's Freddie, uh, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, well, that's uh, 
No, it's Captain Marvel yeah. Jr. Is it yeah. that? And then the Bullet Bulleteer or Bullet Man okay. and Bullet Woman. Did you... That's Martin Short's character from Arrested Development. <laughs> and then that's, uh, what's her name? Yeah. Uh, Mary Marvel. Oh, so these two end up becoming salt shakers at the very end of the book, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm serious. Also, You'll see oh, yeah. when they're it's in also... the when they're in the cafe uh, uh-huh. at the very end of the book. Yeah, there's salt shakers. Those <laughs> two bullets. So um, there's oh, there's Atlas, dude. Uh, Kirby's oh, yeah, Atlas character. Cool. Okay, this isn't good for. Sorry, yeah, okay. there's so many Easter eggs. <laughs> okay, so right now at this point, you're seeing that uh, Lex Luthor is controlling um, Billy Batson. There's uh, actually you saw this a little bit before. There's uh, there's worms that Lex Luthor's been putting in uh, Billy Batson's ear. To kind of control him, and it's making him go psychotic, basically because uh, it's making it so um, the Billy Batson and Shazam characters are kind of, or not Shazam, Captain Marvel characters are fighting against each other. Um, so, but then you see uh, Bruce Wayne; he's not really teaming up with Luther. He's not a bad guy, right? Yep, he punches uh, Luther, or no, he punches Shazam in the face. Yeah, because, Billy in the face, and that's where you find out. Thanks for the. Yeah, this is the very end of the comic book, basically. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's pretty the fourth, darn close. It's the fourth to the end. of the fourth issue. Fourth issue, yeah. Yeah. So, so he shows all the superheroes that are standing there that this is not Captain Marvel, that this is Billy Batson, and he can take a punch. Dude. And what else, what else is cool too is that. Uh, Ted Cord has been working with Bruce Wayne the whole time too, so he pulls out this uh, Blue Beetle gadget and he chases after Luther, whereas um, Bat- or Bruce Wayne chases after Billy. Yep, and so um, Billy is—he's been because he had all these worms in his ears. He hasn't been able to turn into Captain Marvel. Well, uh, after all this, um, he's able to do it. He yells Shazam. He disappears. And now they're like, oh crap, dude, what's going to happen? So then Wonder Woman and Superman prepare for war, and he cuts himself, Superman yeah, cuts himself on her blade. That's to the story. Well, yeah, to show that he's not invulnerable to magic. Yeah, so yeah, so that's a little hint towards the end, you're right. That part right, that's important. Yeah, you're right. So then, um, so they kiss each other, and they're like, let's go to war. Well, and one thing too is that, so, so Superman still wants to keep it peaceful, right? Right. He doesn't want to kill anybody. Wonder Woman, dude, she's got a heart on for war, dude. Yeah. Right now. She wants like, to kill and destroy. She just wants to put her sword in anything she can. Right. right? Anything exactly. that moves, she wants to put her sword exactly. into. And I actually like that. I, when I was reading this, I was kind of siding with Wonder Woman. Because you're just like, yeah, dude, there's craziness going on. At some point, like imagine if... Superman and Batman were the charge uh, generals in charge of our military, right? Right. And they were like, let's just see if we can just like talk change down, their minds. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Wonder Woman was like, no. At Which some point, cool, you yeah. have to stop talking. And she is yeah. a she's a warrior, and yeah. so uh, of course she was a you know a, a diplomat to the the rest of the world. But at the end of the day, I mean, she's a warrior. She's ready to go. Man. Right. And she's she ready to go battle. at any time. Yep. Exactly. So uh, Superman comes flying out of the um, place in the sky. He's flying toward the uh, Legion of Doom headquarters. And he's flying, and all of a sudden he gets punched out of the sky. And who's standing above him? Armageddon. This is one of the best pages in the entire book. That is just beautiful. It's Shazam that comes down and knocks Superman out of the sky. And, she, and Captain Marvel, I can't say Shazam, dude. That's, yeah, it's Captain that's Marvel. That's so wrong, dude, to say Shazam. Anyway, Captain Marvel is just standing with the biggest grin on his yeah. face, knowing that he's just knocked Superman out of the sky, and knowing 
He's not scared at all. He knows that he's going to gonna take down the, the greatest superhero of all. And yeah. then, of course, it says, you know, the Spectre is saying Armageddon has arrived. And it's cool just because the, the, you know, Shazam's in there smiling like an idiot. And then they're saying, you know, Armageddon has arrived. <laughs> so this is at the very end of chapter oh three. So it's five pages away from chapter <laughs> yeah. four. Okay. So there's an awesome, and, and it's like written as if it was like scriptural. Um, like, I think uh, it's scriptorial. Scriptorial? Scriptionation. Okay. Scriptionation, sure. And so the two titans are battling in the front. And there's like a bunch of war going on. And then a light shines up. Yeah, and it's just like taken out across freaking, like a hundred oh, days. To, this double splash dude, page this is This gets incredible. epic as F, dude. This is where it really comes in to be. In fact, sometimes it's a little too epic. There's too yeah, much there's going too on. there's too much happening. Like, look at this panel. There's probably a hundred characters. Like, like, and unage. it's in a third of a panel. Yeah. Like a third of a page. A, a fourth. Yeah, yeah, it's a quarter of a page. Yeah. Starman. And he dude. packs like a million people in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much so going much. on. So much. And I just love how epic it feels because it feels cinematic the way that they do it. Dude. What's that good? What's that weatherman on Good Morning America? So one of my favorite parts about this is that, uh, that it's just like you would think that somebody who could paint so good and so realistic would not be good at actually like showing action or yeah, showing a storyline. Right. But he's really good at that, right? Like he knows when to zero in on somebody's face. He knows when to show a gigantic action scene and cinematic, if you will. I already He's said very that. cinematic. I just I said that like like thirty seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like this, yeah. This battle is awesome, and it keeps going back to humanity, like what's happening in the government, and like they call on the Blackhawks to come in and the Blackhawks. <laughs> is that what they're called? The Blackhawks. 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 Yeah. Yep. Blackhawks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Batman flies in with his outsiders. I mean, the Creepers still around for goodness sakes. Mark, Movie this is your line. Alice Cooper. <laughs> Yeah, if you look at the cover of Kingdom Come number three, it shows the creeper, and it's a hundred percent Alice Cooper, which Definitely. is kind of cool. And then there's more battle and war. It's so good. And then this dude, I don't know what's his what his name is. He he's was awesome. original to this storyline, correct? This character. I don't know, but he speaks like he's German. Yeah, I and think his name a, is Prodigy. And then uh, Wonder Woman stabs him right through the chest. Goodbye. That was good podcast content. Yep. This one dude, though, I don't know the name of <laughs> this it's one guy. It's the huge, uh, he looks um, like he's tattooed black all over him. And he's got like a a rag down his, his head. But then. <laughs> dude. So he's black all over and he's wearing a rag on his head, like a do-rag? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he's sure. black all over and he's wearing a He's do-rag. got like a white cross on his chest and his face. I don't know. I don't know who it is. And then the epic battle comes to the end where Shazam and Superman are fighting. And Shazam, or Captain Marvel yells Shazam a bunch of times and it just keeps blasting dude, Superman. Yeah, blasting the F out of him, dude. dude it's Superman so can't great. do anything. No. And I love that it's relentless, dude. Yeah. He doesn't give him a chance to get up. He's just like, Shazam, Shazam, Shazam. And every time all of the forces of nature, of magic, of lightning are coming down upon Superman. He just like hits him four or five times because he's pissed because Superman hit him with his laser beams. So then Wonder Woman cuts this uh, bat jet in half. It's not a bat jet. It's three drones that were sent from From uh, the United Nations. Yeah, the government. Drones at 96? 
Were there drums that time? Yeah, dude. Okay. So they, uh, yeah. So basically they were going to say, we're going to just, because there was one central location where all of these heroes were battling each other. It's like, and so the government was like, we can take care of this right now. There's going to be some civilian damage. But right now they're worried that these superheroes are going to destroy the entire world, right? Like because the destruction battle. is yeah. so bad. So there's another great couple panels where Superman's bleeding out of his eyes, and he like and he reaches up and uh, Captain Marvel hits him with Shazam one more time, and then he grabs Billy's mouth and he's like, "Enough!" Yeah. and keeps him from screaming. And like that Superman's ears awesome. bleeding. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, "All right, cut it out." Yeah. So so basically, Superman's weakness is like magic and kryptonite. Yeah, Captain Marvel's weakness is covering his mouth. Yeah, he's got to cover yeah. his mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah. stop talking, please. Yeah. And so they they stop and they both look over and there's just massive destruction going but on. But the fear in his in Billy, so he's had this cheesy grin on through the whole time he's been blasting Superman. But then right when Superman grabs him, like the look of fear in his face is very very cool, very um, very well drawn. And then he says Shazam one more time, and he becomes Captain Marvel. And then he like goes up and he decides to destroy this satellite, and he just calls upon the lightning and it explodes up in the. In the so sky. this is what's really cool is, is Superman makes him decide. So, yeah. Right. So he's just like, okay, out of any of the superheroes, you're the only one that is a superhero and is a human, right? Uh, like a regular person. You're both. And then he cries. Yeah. Well, because he's telling him, he's just like, you know what. This you can decide this, and and basically he hasn't been able to decide anything up to here because um, he's been being controlled, right? And and he just says you need to pick if you want superheroes to win, uh, or you know superhumans to win, or humans to win. Which one do you want to protect, basically? Right. And then Superman flies away, and he says, "Decide the world." And I like I think that's so awesome. And then you hear him whisper, "Shazam," mm-hmm. and. Uh, and basically, you don't know what's going on. So Superman's going up to save the world, right? He's going to go up and explode this atomic bomb um, in in space. Um, Captain Marvel flies up, grabs Superman out of the way, throws him, and then he ends up being the one to sacrifice himself. Yep, he flies up. You know, Shazam makes the explosion. Superman's like crying out, screaming because of the... And, then, and what's cool is... is uh, Spectre is pointing at Superman saying judgment. So this is actually, the pacing of this comic is really cool. So it's been really action-packed up until now. The bomb explodes, then the colors all dissipate from from the comic book at this point. And it, you get the feeling of quietness at this point, right? Mm-hmm. It, you get the feeling of just bedlam and absolute chaos up until now. But now the way Alex Ross has painted it, there's just clouds everywhere. And you only see the Spectre, and you only see um, Norman. And Superman. And it just feels like if this were a movie, it would just be, you know, at this point, just completely quiet. And you just see all, you know, a bunch of dead superheroes and stuff. And then Superman just starts getting, like, pissed, dude. So, yeah, he's, dude, that, the red eyes when he stands up is so incredible. Right. So, so he gets pissed and the first thing Superman wants to do is he wants to go kill all these people that sent these bombs. Okay. So he goes to the United Nations and he's ready to just start taking everything down. Norman's like, dude, I saw the hate in his eyes. He's going to kill these people. we got to stop him. And uh, the Spectre ha- er, um, is able to um, put him into... And the Flash, actually. Earlier, the Flash brought him into... So right now, they're just observing. But twice, 
during the story, Norman's been able to actually interact. communicate yeah, and interact with the superheroes. One was because of the Flash. This one was because the Spectre um, let him talk. And, and Norman totally talks Superman down. Yeah, this, right? makes him calm. And yeah. this one, I don't know. It feels a little bit out of character. Even with Superman, like even with everything, this part is a little bit unbelievable for me that Superman would just be like, because they sent a nuke or whatever, that Superman would just go kill all of the humans. Right. Like, I can see him going and just rounding them all up and putting mm-hmm. them in a prison or something, but but I guess this was his tipping point, and that's what they're trying to tell you, is that this was, you know, as far as it goes. But he got talked down fairly easily. This part is, it almost makes it seem unbelievable to me, but... And then he explains how he chosen to pick between superhumans and humans, and they bring uh, Captain Marvel's cape to Superman. Now, one thing I want to point out, I don't think that Wonder Woman, I don't think the Trinity existed until this book. Because Wonder Woman actually became a viable, like, character. But pre-96, I don't think the Trinity was a thing. I don't think that Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman were the, the big three at DC. I, I don't believe Wonder Woman was part of that until after this book has come out. Eh. Eh. Okay. I think they've always been it. Who else would be the big three? If you But there, gonna... there, has, there hasn't been one. It's always been Batman, Superman is, like, world's okay. finest. The Trinity didn't exist until after Kingdom Come. But Kingdom Come was an Elseworlds title. But this made it viable for her to be a Trinity member in other s- stories. I don't know, listeners. What do you think? If, if Kelly's wrong, we're going to kick him off the podcast. If he's right, we'll kick Mark off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a safe bet. <laughs> so everybody's happy. There's joy. And then Wonder Woman and Superman embrace. They bang. And then Superman becomes Clark Kent again. Now, one thing um, that was really interesting, Mark Wade, I heard an interview with him, and he actually received the two original pages of both of these artworks from Alex mm-hmm. Ross because this was kind of a throwback because Alex Mark Wade didn't want to initially do the book until he kind of found this vision of Superman being Clark Kent again. And huh. and so um, when he yeah, opens up cool. the wooden box and pulls the glasses, that was a specific thing that Mark Wade talked about with Alex Ross over lunch. And so Alex Ross threw it in as a um, as like a gift to Mark Wade and then gave him the original pieces of artwork. Dude, I like that. I didn't know that. Um, that actually made me think of something. So um, before um, this ultimate Armageddon thing happens, um, you see um, Wonder Woman's basically telling Superman, we need to go to war. Superman's saying, we don't want to kill anybody. And, uh, like, they have this, like, this panel, these couple panels right here are my favorite because Wonder Woman is just looking at him, looking at Superman in disgust, basically. It's just like, how, like, with everything that's going on, how can you still want peace, basically? You see anger lines in her neck. Yeah, exactly. And it's just so passionate. And then they do a kiss right before it. Basically, it was like a kiss off. Like, she's just like, okay, fine, we're not on the same side anymore. Yeah. And she leaves. But I love the writing here where it says, um... Her lips brush his with the sound of marble scraping steel. I think that's the coolest no, like cool. line, dude. Yeah, because that's very cool. They're both like the strongest of their gender. Yeah, like in the universe, right? Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, you can totally like picture that. But also, what that means is, is it like the next line says, "It's a kiss devoid of passion, or completely devoid of passion." So like, I love that because they're so powerful that you can picture like their kisses being like that. But also, it has a double meaning that it's just, like, passionless. Because basically, she's just saying... Well, actually, the next line says, it's a final farewell. 
Right. Um, so basically, she's just like, KC, okay, we're on opposite sides now. Right. And I did. There's a couple of lines in here that uh, Mark Wade did that are just really good, like that. And wasn't she? And she was like born of clay, right? So, like, that would, like, to me, like, it's earthy, which is like what marble would be, right? right. Yeah. So, and then he's like the man of steel. So that yeah. makes complete sense. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was the coolest line because, yeah, it just had the the two meanings. It was just like they're both the two strongest people, plus they were they realized at that point, you know, this isn't going to work out between us. Right. Um, so, anyway, um, everything, uh, like you said, everything ends up working out uh, because because of Shazam, because of Billy Batson. His character in this is really awesome. I love that they picked um, Captain Marvel to be the one that kind of like saved like the day everybody yeah Yeah. i i do love that that they made him important that way so basically then they go to an epilogue um well jim corrigan reveals himself and then sits in the congregation yeah so the specter right uh, oh sorry yes yeah yeah. so because specter is different at different times right you're right yeah so um but yeah he he's just like okay we did it um you basically he's telling norman that he saved literally saved the world can you imagine being a preacher reading like revelations and then realizing yeah. that you were the one that saved the world like because he talked superman down like right it's so awesome um and that's what's cool we were talking earlier about superman's role in in dc comics you couldn't tell the story without having the most powerful guy in the entire world you know what i mean like Superman could have caused the end of the world yeah. right there. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. And, and so that's what makes this story so cool. So people that say Superman's not cool because he has no weakness, that they just they just haven't really thought about it enough and read enough to see that's what makes him so cool because you can tell stories like this. So Right. And the other thing too, and I brought this up earlier before we were recording, but like this is like one of the first this is probably the first deconstruction of a superhero storyline I've I have read, um, even before like Dark Knight. And... It, yeah, it, it is. It is that, but it's super heroic, dude. It like, is super. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. So like, um, you do see them as as like, for lack of a better word, human, right? But like, but it's it's not the classic deconstruction that you see where it's just like, like hero, a bunch of heroes going to therapists or something. Right. Like that, right? Yeah. It's not that like it's super this is one of the most heroic books I've ever read but you do see you know their flaws the humanity see, of the gods yeah you see their thought processes and stuff and their flaws and and yeah that definitely does make that so the epilogue basically the story after everything's happened right they they uh, they end up back at that cafe the Norma saw at the beginning that uh, superhero planet cafe salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. I see him right there. Yep. <laughs> and then um, they ask Bruce Wayne to be the... So, hold up. Okay. So, yeah, it's Superman, Wonder Wonder Woman, and Bruce Wayne. Right. Who all decided to meet. Which, it's a little bit weird to me. So, basically, they, they come and they do a toast to Captain Marvel because he saved the day, right? Right. Uh, and they later. did a toast to all the fallen heroes, basically. And so, maybe that's why they went to this planet superhero place. But they, none of them seem to like being there. Yeah, they're all grumpy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they're all par- parodies of them, right? Yeah, it's like... And, and, yeah, so it's weird that they chose that. Like, I'm trying to picture the phone call beforehand. It's like, hey, do you want to go to Planet Superhero? It's like... It's like a... 
it's almost a mockery of them. Why would they go to this restaurant? Right. But the only thing I can think of is because they went to go toast their fallen heroes. But really, they're toasting their fallen like comrades at a place that the, is a yeah, parody, a mockery, a mockery of, them. of them. Yeah, so I think it's a little weird that it finished there. But I do like this scene. And this is where it's kind of deconstructed because it's three heroes, like the, the, the biggest yeah, heroes of the DC universe, just sitting and drinking coffee and stuff. Ordering right? food. Right. Yeah. So, but I do like that. In fact, whenever I think back on Kingdom Come, this is the scene I always think back on. It's just them at the at the table, just talking to each other, right? Right. And so, what were you gonna say about them? I was gonna say they uh like Bruce Wayne knows that uh, that one woman's <coughs> pregnant with Superman's child, and they ask Bruce Wayne to be the Godfather. It's actually kind of awesome how it is cool because because Bruce Wayne. So at this point. Um, with comics, I get a little bit tired of like seeing future Bruce Wayne just being all cranky all the time. Yeah. Um, but this is early enough. Like this is one of the first things that probably started it. You know, you got you had the Dark Knight Returns, and then you had this basically. So mm-hmm. at this point, it was still relatively new. So I, I'm trying to read it in that mindset. But he's cranky uh, and, and everything. But it's so funny because Wonder Woman's like, "Hey, um, we have something um, we want to announce," and then Bruce Wayne's just cooking a steak or cutting kind a steak. steak and he just says you're pregnant uh, <laughs> they just like stare at him like, uh, blank, yeah. Blank, like yeah it's funny yeah so I, I I mean so I try to read this in the context that it came out it's one of the first times that you, you know there's only a handful of times at this point that you saw the, this dynamic you know where Bruce Wayne's so cranky and stuff but I do like that it kind of resolves at the beginning at the end because because you you start to see Bruce Wayne kind of being excited about being the godfather of the most powerful child to have ever been born. Oh, right. Right? Yes. And, and like, and the fact that he hugs Clark at the end is is awesome. It's, I love that, actually. Yeah. They embrace with brotherly love. Because I hate that, like, it's, there's so many stories where it's just, like, him against Superman yeah. all the time. Right? And I love that, like, they did do a lot of that during this, but they ended with them just being, like, best friends. Yeah. So he walks out with his girlfriend. Now, one... Okay. One panel... So they, they're walking out and they look over and Norman's talking to Jim Corrigan, who is also the Spectre. But next to the Spectre is the main character from Marvels, the reporter um, that that was the main character of Marvels. Is it? Yeah, so he's Eyepatch and he's got his like, like back. Yeah, I didn't notice awesome. that. And uh, so then they're walking out and it shows like the Golden Age Sandman stuff. And then a couple different posters, and Spencer actually pointed this out earlier, that on the wall, the very last thing that you really, your the attention is to, yeah. last panel, is the very first comic that DC Comic ever published. A new fun comics, number one. Yep. Yeah, I think that's really cool, too. And then, uh, so, I could be wrong, but, so, there was earlier, um, just talking about Easter eggs, oh, number one Easter egg we didn't mention is, uh, there's a taxi cab in here that says 28 if, and that's on the license plate. Mm-hmm. And that's from uh, the Beatles Abbey Road album cover. Uh, there's a car in there that says 28 if oh, because, really? oh, okay. because there's this whole conspiracy that Paul McCartney died and he would have been 28 if he hadn't if died. If he was alive oh, okay. yeah. at the time. And gotcha. so it's cool that they included that. But uh, I probably can't find it. But during during the Senate hearings, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of Mark Wade um, in there. Um, it's so, before this, huh? Yeah. So you'll have to you'll have to Google it if that's true. I haven't done it, but. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, right? That that he would draw Mark Wade into it, right? 
Yeah, but I, when they made this, I don't think Alex Ross really knew Mark Waid that well. Um, I think that they kind of like met by doing this, which is just so cool because if it's so like the writing and the art fits so perfectly. Like oh this yeah, is like every now and again you see a writer and an artist that just like work completely together. And that's the thing about this is that like the the um, inertia, not inertia. What's it called? Um, uh, it's called. Inertia. When you work together really well, synergy. synergy. The synergy of synergy. these two of these two creators yeah. just made this all it is. Well, they both love DC. They both grew up loving superheroes mm-hmm. in general, actually. And and you can that's what makes it so cool is you can tell that like they were probably bouncing ideas off of each other like crazy. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so like and it was it really is just a love letter to you know like you said Silver Age mm-hmm. uh, and even some Golden Age DC comics and. And it still holds up, dude. So it's been like 15, 16 years since I read this book. And uh, in rereading it, um, there was a couple of things that I could pick apart that feel a little dated. But overall, the story still holds up. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Cold Cold Story. Cold Story. Join us next time as we review... I don't know. Serious? I don't know what we're going to review. Why did you just back us into this corner? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were going to hit stop as soon as I said, join us next time as we review. Why would I do that? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? You don't know what we're going to review. Okay, we're going to review uh, Parker, one of the Parker novels. Yes, we are, by Darwin Cook. Adapted by Darwin Cook. Originally by... Uh, Darwin by... Cook's dead. And, oh my gosh, oh. too, too soon. <laughs> Norm Brayfogle. Yeah, that's... Oh, actually, I did want to talk about that, but this is probably going to take two months to come out because Nate didn't make our intro music yet. Yeah. Nate (laughs) intro. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, kids. At the comic shop.